brother. Oh man, you guys, within the wizarding world, there can be no doubt that there are a handful of questions that seemingly just everyone can relate to in one way or another. Like, what house are you in? What form would your Patronus take? And what would your bogger be? And if you happen to be on a first date, the answers to these questions can very quickly tell you a lot about a person. Important things too, like first of all, are you as into the wizarding world as I am? Do you even know what a bogger is? And if so, good news, because what I'm actually asking is, what is your deepest and darkest fear and how would you conquer it? With a ridiculous spell, of course, we've already established for both fans. Ridiculous. And the good news is you've disguised this totally serious question in a completely disarming way. You didn't even need Expelliarmus. I can hear wedding bells already. Way to be approachable. Could not be more proud of you. You are hitting it off. It is like staring into a mirror and seeing your soulmate staring right back at you. Which honestly is the perfect setup for today's video. Because basically what I'm suggesting is that the person that you're looking at is maybe what you would have seen in the mirror of Erised prior to said first date. Incidentally, another question you could ask on said first date is just what would they see in the mirror of Erised? Their heart's truest desire. But as we all know, the mirror of Erised, while beautiful, fascinating, and informative, especially if you're on on a first date can also be rather nefarious. As Dumbledore himself says, however, this mirror will give us neither knowledge or truth. Men have wasted away before it, entranced by what they have seen or been driven mad, not knowing of what it shows is real or even possible. So today I would like to ask the question, where did the mirror of Erised come from in the first place? Who made it and how? Gosh, not to get too deep, just absolutely immediately in this one today, but does anyone else remember in high school when every person, parent, teacher, coach would ask you what you wanted to be when you were older and you had no idea? I personally always just wished so badly that I had a real mirror of Verised in those moments that I could look into and see what I truly wanted. <sighs> Who am I? Who am I, Hedwig? Instead, I just stared at the Harry Potter books for hours and hours and years and years, and eventually it just became my job, so. That's kind of neat. Because the real mirror are the books you were reading all along or something. But less existential crisis and more literary analysis, am I right? Actually, if you'd like plenty of hours of Ben's existential crisis, we have a podcast called Pop Culture, please check it out. But the mirror of Erised. We meet it about halfway through Harry's first year at Hogwarts and it is immediately one of the most iconic magical artifacts that we see throughout the rest of the series. And honestly, I do still remember eight-year-old me discovering the significance of the carvings of the mirror. Era said straw, eru, oit, ub, kafru, oit, an, wafchi. However, if you flip those words around or look at them in the mirror, you instead get the inscription, I show not your face, but your heart's desire. Wicked. Harry, of course, stares into the mirror and sees a life he never had, a life with his parents whole and healthy. And this idea or image always lulled me into a sense of safety when it came to the mirror. Like maybe it wasn't all that bad. Good. Because Harry, of course, had always grown up under the Dursleys and life had been absolutely miserable and he had lost his parents when he was just so very young. And the fact that this mirror was able to provide Harry with information that he could not have on his own, a physical embodiment of what his parents 
actually looked like is, to me, nothing shy of a miracle a gift. But as ever, I think that this had a lot to do with Harry's own character, his selflessness, something that we would see a lot more of throughout the rest of not just this book, but the story at large. In fact, it is this exact characteristic that allows Harry to uniquely be one of the only people who could truly retrieve the stone from the mirror later on in the same book. Dumbledore explains to Harry after he's done it, you see, only one who wanted to find the stone, find it, but not use it, would be able to get it. Otherwise, they just see themselves making gold or drinking the elixir of life. My brain surprises even me sometimes. This could potentially be marked as contrast to what Ron sees when he looks in the mirror. I'm alone, but I'm different. I look older and I'm head boy. I'm wearing the badge like Bill used to and I'm holding the house cup and the Quidditch cup. I'm Quidditch captain too. Now, of course, it goes without saying that there is nothing at all wrong with imagining yourself as a greater version of who you currently are and aspiring to become that self. But I also think that we can start to see how the mirror could have been a tad bit more dangerous for Ron than it was for Harry. Because Ron has already grown up in an incredibly highly achieving family. He may already feel a bit of that pressure, but I could totally see where this depiction of himself could have set that standard higher for Ron in a much more internal sense. Now that he's seen with his own eyes that glorified version of himself, then anything that falls short of it may pale in comparison. This again goes back to the idea that Dumbledore expressed that people could potentially waste away in front of the mirror, that they're always going back to catch another glimpse, another taste of that desire made semi-tangible, so close you can almost have it. But that's also as close as you'll ever get, at least if the way you're going about achieving that end goal is by looking at it in the mirror. And it's this particular sentiment that got me thinking, because this is not the only magical artifact within the wizarding world that has this particular effect on its user. And we have to fast forward all the way from the midway point of the first book in the series to the midway point in the last book of the series to get our next example in The Tale of the Three Brothers, specifically the second brother. The tale says that the second brother aimed to humiliate death and asked for a stone that could recall others from death. But we also learn that death is no fool and each of its gifts come with a price. The second brother journeyed to his own home where he lived alone. Here he took out the stone that held the power to recall the dead and turned it thrice in his hand. To his amazement and his delight, the figure of the girl he had once hoped to marry before her untimely death appeared at once before him. Yet she was sad and cold, separated from him as by a veil. Though she had returned to the mortal world, she did not truly belong there and suffered. Finally, the second brother, driven mad with hopeless longing, killed himself so as to truly join her." This particular description always kind of stood out to me as oddly similar to the effects of the Mirror of Erised. Because I think if the second brother were to stare into the depths of the mirror, what he would see is ultimately what he was trying to use the Resurrection Stone to accomplish. A life with the person that he loved trapped behind a veil or in this case, within the framework of the mirror. So close he could almost have it, but not quite. And as is the case with both of these particular magical artifacts, almost is never enough. Or I should say, almost never enough. As you'll recall, Harry himself also uses the Resurrection Stone to call back what he also saw in the Mirror of Erised, and in his case, it is enough. He is bringing his parents back to help guide him to death and in doing so becomes 
master of death. And guys, we need to take a quick pause to give a huge thank you to today's sponsor, Bespoke Post. Bespoke Post is personally one of my favorites. And what they do is every single month, they curate boxes of awesome packed with really cool gear. My personal latest box is called the Explore Box and comes with everything you need for a fun day adventure, whether it's an early morning hike or just going about the city with your friends. Inside is a super handy water bottle, headlamp, which if you don't have a headlamp, you just have absolutely no idea how often those come in handy, and a super easy to pack down backpack. Whenever I go to amusement parks, I love a backpack just like this one because I can enter the day, have it completely packed down and empty, and then fill it up with all my goodies throughout the day. And it's really lightweight. And that's just this month's box. My box from last month is called Parked and comes with this amazing folding chair. I've said it before, but this is the box that I have ordered more than once. And it's because whenever we're out camping or vacationing throughout the summer, having multiples of these is so great. They pack down really, really small. They're very lightweight, but also incredibly comfortable. And if you don't have any particular use for these specific items or just have this gear already, because maybe you do, then not to worry because Bespoke Post has a really handy tool on their website. It's a quiz where you can go through, answer a bunch of questions about you and your lifestyle, and it will help you figure out what is the best box for you. Seriously, I have been using Bespoke Post for years at this point and have collected so much gear that I use in my everyday life. It's the best. And you can get 20% off your first monthly box when you head on over to boxofawesome.com and enter promo code super at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com promo code super for 20% off your first monthly box. One last time, that's boxofawesome.com promo code super. Link is in the description down below. I highly recommend you check it out. But remember, what we're trying to solve today is who made the mirror of Erised, and more importantly, how? But considering the mirror works very similarly to the stone, let's start with who made the stone. So it's true, asked Harry. All of it, the Peveril brothers, were the three brothers of the tale, said Dumbledore nodding. Oh yes, I think so. Whether they met death on a lily road, I think it more likely that the Peveril brothers were simply gifted, dangerous wizards who succeeded in creating those powerful objects. The story of them beating death's own hallows seemed to me sort of a legend that might have sprung up around such creations. With that sentiment in mind, it feels like beyond a shadow of the doubt, the second brother, Cadmus Peveril, created the resurrection stone. So my question is, what if this wasn't his first attempt? What if he had already tried to create a gateway to the dead? What if his first invention was none other than the Mirror of Erised? And if so, how did he make it? Well, right away, I first think we need to consider everything that we already know about the Deathly Hallows and how they were created. Because in a rather unique way, all three of the Deathly Hallows relate back to the same thing. Thestrals. The Elder Wand has a Thestral core hair. Thestrals themselves are invisible, exactly like the properties of the invisibility cloak. And on that note, you can only actually see Thestrals if you've seen death. And what does the stone actually do but allow you to see the dead? So something tells me that in order to create the Deathly Hallows, the Peveril brothers must have studied Thestrals in particular and the properties that they possess. But if that's the more refined versions, if you will, of their inventions, the ones that they're ultimately truly known for, then where do they start before that? And at the very least, for the second brother, Cadmus in particular, I think I know exactly what he would have studied first. Boggarts. Boggarts we of course learn about in Harry's third year of schooling, and what we know about them is that they're able to see it deep inside of a witch or wizard and what they fear the most, and then physically manifest 
into that thing. This reflects, if I may, almost the exact properties of the Mirror of Erised, which again can show you your heart's true desire. I think Cadmus probably encountered a Boggart, and what he saw was his worst fear, his lost love. But upon conquering the Boggart, I have a feeling he also became fascinated with them. What it had shown him was just so real. And so what he set out to do was inverse the power of a boggart. Or surely if it could manifest such a realistic version of his lost love, then maybe it could also do the opposite and bring her back. In the same way that it could manufacture his worst fear, could it manufacture his heart's desire? So what I believe is that Cadmus took the boggart and transfigured it into a mirror. And the end result was it mirrored its own power. Instead of becoming the thing you fear the most, it shows you the thing you love the most. And as we all know, that can be just as dangerous. Okay, so what I really love about this particular theory is how similar and exactly opposite these two magical entities are. Because what they're both doing is essentially the same thing, just in different ways. They can see deep inside of a person, learn something about them, and then use that information against them. Which, when you think of the mirror through this particular lens, it definitely makes it seem not only dangerous, but incredibly cruel. Boggarts aren't exactly masquerading as good things. They are appearing as something you are terrified of, but using something that somebody loves against them, I mean, I don't know what's worse than that. But my favorite part about this idea is the following question. A boggart is defeated by turning its magic on itself. Instead of continuing to feed it your fear, you destroy it through laughter. So if the mirror is a boggart in reverse, then I don't think you would destroy it through laughter or happiness, but instead possibly through sadness or despair. Something that I think would make it nearly invincible when you consider the fact that the thing that it's showing you is your heart's greatest desire. But who knows, maybe that's just ridiculous. But guys, for my question of the day, I am so curious to hear your thoughts. Do you feel like there's any possibility that because the mirror of Erised is using something you love against you, that there's a possibility that it is a boggart that has been transfigured and reflecting its own typical motives? Be sure to let us know in the towel section down below. Well guys, as always, thank you so much for watching. Be sure to like this video and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. If you'd like to see some more Harry Potter action from us, we are currently running through an entire narrative about what would have happened if Neville had been the chosen one instead of Harry. You can check out that series right over here. But otherwise, until next time, bye.